I'm fluent in body language. Come and talk to me. I'm living on the edge, it's dangerous. Come and walk with me. And if you wanna dance, let's tango. Hard to the core like the mango. Finally feeling like I'm living, feeling like I'm in a sinner, stepping out of prison. Hard when they hit them, get locked in the rhythm, get lost in the system, give it to your supplier. Don't misinterpret my ambitions as a rider. A little bit younger and a little bit wiser. Connect me to the ground, I'm a spark like a wire. Feeling like most make the seas split. Got a mad wave and get them seasick. In the party, don't stop. Hip hop representing coming straight off the block. Black excellence, my skills are heaven sent. Never hesitate, we sin, then repent. So much time spent unlearning, be confident. Takes one step to get you moving. Opportunity's the only thing worth losing. You never really know till you take a chance. Come on, everybody, let's dance. Better come do one drum club. Better come do two moon shot. Better come do for Se gostosa, fica na canha culpa Ei, chiga, chiga, baita xinga, xinga Trinca, trinca, baita trinca, trinca Bajou comigo, funa não, cochipô Hoje me engrabagem, mas picana, e cupô Chega mais perto pra fazer boca surpresa Hoje pelo jeito banha presa Ei, da bola em cadeira, mexe a cadeira Fazer de boa maneira, boi de massa, babo de Mil e um maneiras, dança e babo crê Quebra bico Hello, this is Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. I first met Corey Sant One de Pina at a Mighty Mighty Boston's concert not too long ago with some of his students at Zoomix. Zoomix is an award-winning music and creative technology program designed to equip youth with the tools necessary to reach their full potential while creating a safe space for youth to explore who they are and who they want to be. In addition to working at Zoomix, Corey also started the Fogo Project, where he's working to raise money and gather musical equipment to create a permanent music education program on the island. Madeline Suchinski, Zoomix founder and also a former guest on ATB, is our co-host, and she has known Corey since he walked in the doors of Zoomix as a 12-year-old. I'll let her talk a bit about who Corey is. There's so much to say about Corey because Corey is an amazing artist in and of his own right. Amazing poet, MC, amazing facilitator, like group leader, an amazing teaching artist, an amazing human being. The work that he's done over the years with our teenagers, like taking what he learned as a kid and then evolving it and continuing to contribute to that curriculum and the pedagogy and then to bring that back across the board everybody who comes to Zoomix really sort of labels Corey as like the soul of the organization you know he's recognized across the state as being one of the best youth leaders in the state because he talks from his heart he's very honest best hugs in the world come from this man he's really been a gift both to Zoomix and to the community of East Boston and beyond um, and there's so many young people who have they're on their own journey, but they're doing what he did. They have become self-actualized at the invitation of Corey, and they've done that through their art. All right, so here is our conversation with Corey Sant One de Pina, recorded virtually in our respective abodes in Boston, Massachusetts. So, Corey, tell me, um, tell me what was going on for you before we hit this coronavirus. What was going on for you before life changed immensely with Corona? I've always been busy. I had a lot of things going on. 
uh, teaching, working at Zoomix and keeping uh, things going on there. Um, I was also working on an independent project to try to send some instruments uh, to the island of Cape Verde, of yeah, Fugu yeah. and Cape Verde, to try to help start the school there. So I was literally in Fogo um, up until about the 15th, uh, two days before the flight ban. So I was oh, literally wow. in, I was there and then had to come back to like lock up and go right to your house and don't go out and, you know, wash and sanitize yourself. So it was a real dramatic change from uh, being on an island and feeling yeah. secluded and doing some great work to here and not even being able to like go into my office and see my colleagues and talk about what they were doing and how they were doing it. I just came right into like a closed environment where I had to like um, figure out where I stood and also then see where my colleagues stood and figure out where I did place myself amongst all that. So it was really interesting. Um, and also a lot of our work is revolved around bringing people together. So how do you then structure things to continue to do the work and be mindful that we can't really come together now. I had a series of concerts planned and visits and all that stuff. Wow. So we had the transition to doing it all online really fast or being creative with trying to do it online and still being in contact with people. Well, why don't we talk about that a little bit? Um, so I know you're involved with uh, I mean, this is when I first met you. This is what we this is what we talked about. You're involved with the Fogo Project, which is uh, a little island off the coast, West Africa. Senegal is about three or four hours away. Yep. And you've been bringing um, musical instruments there, and you've been going there. This is this is part of your heritage. Is that correct? Your your family is from there, or am I mistaken? Yeah, my family immigrated there, and like the, my dad in the '50s, my mom in the '60s. Um, and then uh, I, it was 2017, I got an opportunity through the Mass Cultural Council to go study my lineage and practice and teach hip hop on the islands as a, as a way to learn more about myself and, and to be able to connect with my immigrant students who then also do a journey and, and go from one place to another and to just be a stronger person, understanding your history, to better understand your future. When I was there and being a person who does the work that I do at Zoomix and in the community, I uh, felt that there was a, a way that I could help. So I started just collecting instruments and I just, that's all I've been doing is collecting instruments and money. I have about a hundred instruments now and over $10,000 and the goal was 20K and a hundred instruments. So that's what I've been doing. I haven't brought anything back yet. Right now everything's in the storage and trying to figure out how can I get that 20 that I wanted to do, if, if that's even still possible and how to then give the instruments out and, and where do they go and, and all that stuff has been also an interesting process. I'm wondering what the kind of reaction was from the kids there to have you bring in all these all these great instruments. I think you said there's only one music teacher there too. I thought there was like a college. There's not even like a higher ed institute on the island. Yeah. Um, the students don't have much. There was there's no real music school. They're like people who have homes and teach music outside of their houses. There's one high school band that literally performs at all the high schools on the island's events. I saw this one band perform five times and they only have one drum set, you know? The, there are two drum sets on the island, both owned by a bar and musicians have to either rent it or use it or play at that bar to use that drum set. And I'm here sitting on seven drum sets. And my goal is still to try to create an institute that all the schools can bring students and people to to learn, teachers, instructors, musicians, even from other islands. But if they can't get their stuff together, I might just end up splitting all the instruments up and building like a clubhouse music studio room in all the different high schools. Um, but the things that the kids felt were like, first shock, like, who the hell are you? You don't know me, why are you doing this for me? Second, like, oh my God, really? Like a real 
drum set, a real guitar. And the third thing is like, I don't believe you until I see it. So now I gotta work on making it happen and making sure that it happens in a way where they can see it and participate in it and really be a part of it. Uh, island mentality is really interesting. I'm working with people who've never left an island and they live there and I'm coming in as an outsider. So a lot of learning, you know, and listening and really um, making sure that uh, I get all the right players at the table and, and I'm able to help everyone. Do you speak Portuguese? I speak Cape Verdean Creole, which is a Portuguese dialect. And I also learned when I was going there that it's an unwritten language. So <laughs> it's like you learn so many things, right? Wow. Uh, so people, people speak it outside of school, but in school they learn Portuguese. So in school you did Portuguese. Outside of school there's this Cape Verdean Creole, which is like a Portuguese dialect. Yeah. So it's kind of cool because you write it the way you say it. And there have been a couple of people who've uh, tried to put together a dictionary, but because the islands are all different with dialect, it's hard to come up to a consensus. It was really amazing to to sort of be along for the journey to see Corey get his meta fellowship through the Mass Cultural Council and then propose this project, which is to like follow his roots and go back to Cape Verde, which he had never been to before. Um, and to do that both as an artist who will be, you know, it's like a cultural exchange, taking his art from here to there, but also trying to gather some sort of cultural awareness of what's happening there to bring back to us. There, He's gone now. It's twice you've gone, right, Corey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so two trips. Um, the first trip was just like mind-blowing in terms of him really uh, getting grounded there and, and really feeling where his mother and father come from and a lot of i think a lot of uh understanding between his his parents and him kind of became be, started to happen but it's both ways like he understood where they came from but they also saw him in a totally different light because the people of cape verde were appreciating his knowledge of american music and hip-hop mm. and his parents have never really appreciated that until they saw that the people of Cape Verde also appreciated it. And so they, through that, started really gaining more interest in what he's been doing for the last th almost 30 years, you know? It's really been beautiful to see that, that grow and to see how many instruments he has. Oh my goodness, when that crate arrives in Cape Verde, I told him I wanna be there. I really do, because it's gonna be the most amazing moment and will have an impact for years to come. That's amazing. And this is coming from a kid you met when he was 12 years old. Pretty much, yeah. His, his nickname was Heavy. He had a high top fade and just eyes this big as soon as he walked into our studio was like, oh my God, everything I ever dreamed of is right here. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful lifetime together, really. You still have family there? Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, I have a lot of family there, and oh, and, and when you, when I arrived there, I met even more new, newer family. <laughs> that's great. Now, what music? What's the what's the general music there? Is there? Um, well, they they just recently nationally recognized uh, the our traditional music um, as a cultural uh, thing this year. It's called Marna. It's like uh, that's the, the style of music that Cesaria. Varias is really known for. She's like the most popular Cape Verdean artist. But then we have like Juke and like uh, some like like a dance music. It's like three different style of music. Wow, like Afro, really high influence Afro music, kind of poppy R and B ish kind of influenced uh, dancey music, loving music, and then you have the traditional music. There was a point when I was like, I can't do this myself, right? Who's gonna help me? 
the Cape Verdean artist community here in Boston. So I started working with them to have them take over my American artist music shows for about 30 minutes, just to represent and pass a bucket around. And really so the artists can meet each other and form a new network. So this, this group meets another group and they realize that they can complement each other and, uh, and share island music with the different styles. Cause we usually in the Cape Verdean music world are isolated in their own bubble. And I noticed that also through this whole process. So it's been a real cool journey, man. Even like helping out and like figuring out how I can put people in positions where I can help them, but then have them also help us because they believe in the, in the cause. One of the biggest donors was Boston College gave us a sound system that I couldn't bring to Fogu, but I could like resell it to the Cape Verdean community that needs a sound system and use that money towards my project. Right. So it's been really cool to just like meet these people firsthand and to see also like when the Cape Verdean artist leaves Cape Verdean and comes to America, it like ups their, their whole popularity, right? You made it, you made it to America. And then you realize that these artists are really even just down the street from us doing what we do normally, but they're yeah. super big in Cape Verde, but because they made it here, you know, they have that audience. So that's like, how can we make them go even further while they're here? Because uh, I, I have those friends, right? and those people who are doing that here and teaching about licensing and contracts. It's a cool, deep, self-learning, ultra-community love process that I've been going through. And I love just being able to share it with my the new students and people who are like, wow, you did that? I can, I got my, my, my student, Chris, who's like from Colombia and El Salvador. I was like, yo, I want to build a school in El Salvador too. So just leading by example has been really cool. And just having my, my, my kids see me do it. Is there a large Cape Verde community in Boston? Oh yeah. New Bedford, Roxbury. Yeah. Uh, the, the first, the first settlers in, on the Cape, the, the, and, and the whalers in New Bedford, the people who were working those boats were Cape Verdean slaves. But one of the reasons why I think that like, it's easy to do is because of amazing mentors and people like Madeline and the example of Zumex, right? Zumex started in Madeline's living room. So if I can see Zumex go from Madeline's living room into a firehouse and then someone think that through that process was a crazy idea, then I'm like, oh, I know crazy ideas come true. You know, and, and, and I know that thing to ask is the hard questions and then figure out those answers to make it possible. I, my whole life I've been led by examples through Zoomix and through mentors and people like Madeline and people who have helped me learn um, that it is possible. I know one of the things that was just amazing was to see how alive Corey came when this project started to take off because he had a spark of an idea and people are like, oh, I believe in that idea. And as soon as three people say, I believe in that idea, you're like, oh damn, I better take that idea seriously because these three people trust me. And then like three more people trust you and you're like, oh my God, this is real. Let's go. And like, you might not even know exactly where you're headed, but you know the general direction and you know you're gonna listen really carefully and you have a goal in mind and you're gonna weave your way through every opportunity and every kind of opportunity to connect people with that vision and that idea and that mission. And that's very Zoomix like. And it was like everything from the starting of Zoomix to the capital campaign to get us that fire station. Every time we did something like that, that took courage, we couldn't have done it alone. Like you can never do any of these things alone. You have to, you do it, you share that idea and you get four more people invited or excited about it. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, there, it has a snowball effect. And, um, and it was very exciting to see Corey do that. And I've been saying, be careful what you wish for, because you have to keep pushing that snowball and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you have a basement full of instruments and they need to get out of your basement and go to Cape Verde that piece, which is in some ways the, the most challenging component, still has to happen. 
but it's not, I believe in, with all my heart that's gonna happen. And the day, like I said, the day that that shipment arrives there in Kogo, it's gonna change that part of the world forever, which is gonna have a ripple effect so far beyond that too. And it's been beautiful. And you know, the number of people that have stepped forward to help out, we were, before COVID closed us down, one of our alumni came in the door with like a guitar over his shoulder. And he's like, Corey, I've been following your your project and I'm so proud of you, man. And I just wanted to show you what I'm gonna give you. And he like opened it up and had this beautiful guitar to give. And this is not somebody who's got huge amounts of resources, you know, but he loves Corey. He's been involved in Zoomix for years. He felt like this is an exciting moment and he's gonna, he's gonna show his support. It was it was awesome. So there's been so many moments like that where people just stepped up. Yeah. More people explaining. Like I remember when uh, we were having a conversation about the electronic equipment we want to send over, but electricity is not the same voltage there as it is here. And so you mm -hmm. can't just send electronic equipment without it being destroyed, without sending all of the adapters that you need to right. make sure that the stuff that's built here, when it ships over there, they've got whatever they need. It's been fascinating and um, and very fun to watch. And Corey's unstoppable, man. He's beautiful. Yeah, through, through the journey, I've learned that, you know, some of the people at the top of the food chain are people who really care and want to help. And before this, I was intimidated to ask those people at the top of the food chain if they wanted to help. <laughs> but then you realize that those there are some really nice people who really authentically care. And they're looking for people to connect with in places and causes and things to support. Some of the things that were holding me back was like, man, I'm the kid, the black kid with no high school or college degree walking into the CEO's office. Like, what do I have that brings us to a commonality where we can like really talk like human beings about what we what we can do and how we can make stuff happen right so now yeah. i find myself having these real genuine conversations with people who three years ago i would never even dream of talking about because i didn't think that i was worth having the conversations with them type thing and then you end up being good friends with them and we're checking in every week and it's like oh my goodness you get past that whole insecurity of like equity and being there right it's always hard to ask for people to give it's not only the fear of rejection, but it's also the fear of success. What have I gotten myself into? All of a sudden I have this garage full of musical instruments. How the heck am I gonna get these instruments over there, over there? Am I biting up more than I can chew? Can I do this? I sent the president of Cape Verde an email. You know what I'm saying? I found out, I found this email. I sent the owners of all the studios in Cape Verde an email. If there are 10 studios and three engineers reply back to me. I, I just made three new friends I didn't have before. Where can people uh, donate, find out more about this program? Is there one place where you can donate? The, the first giving page, there's a Fogel Project. And if you hashtag Fogel Project, you'll find both Facebook and Instagram. You'll be able to find all the links and photos. And the Fogel Project is great. But at the core of all this, even when I came back from Cape Verde and, and into this pandemic, it's the, the, the solid foundation of a space like Zoomix, right? The Fogel Project is, gonna, is like an extension and only capable because of my community and tribe that I have at Zoomix. We can't talk about supporting the Fogel Project without first supporting Zoomix, right? The idea that like support people like myself who are like trying their best through this outlet, have this opportunity, uh, have your kids take our program so they can see and, and experience what I experience and they can become leaders, come to our concerts, see how we merge islands and cultures and genres, or at the very least, listen to our ZoomX radio station. My Fogel project for me at some point will end, but the work that I do at ZoomX and the work that ZoomX does is not gonna end. It's really hard because I live in this world where like I know ZoomX came
came first for me and then Fogo Project came second. And they're both kind of my babies. But I know for a fact that if ZoomX does good, Fogo Project will do better or good. You know what I'm saying? And I'm always going to be connected to those two things my whole life. Um, we haven't talked much about like the empowerment work that we do at ZoomX and the areas of development and like the idea of like self-realization and how ZoomX provides a space where a person can see themselves past their own skin, right? And I'm so lucky to have had that, to have had a place that made me look past myself and get to a place in my life where I like start to care about other people and how I can affect other people. And that would have never been possible if like Madeline didn't let me go to her house and like find my find myself there, you know? Well, one of the things I was gonna say, Chuck, cause you and I, um, Corey, I, don't know, I didn't even know if you knew I was gonna be on this. Chuck had reached out to me over the weekend, I think and said, would you be interested in co-hosting? And I was like, sure, I love Corey, I love you. Like, I'll be happy to happy to jump on there. And so Jack was like, you know, give me a little bit about Corey, what do you know? And I'm like, there's so much to say about Corey because Corey is an amazing artist in and of his own right. Amazing poet, amazing MC, amazing facilitator, like group leader, presenter, um, an amazing teaching artist, an amazing human being. There's just so many facets to it. You know, the Fogo project is like the most recent sort of entrepreneurial project that he's taken on. But the work that he's done over the years with our teenagers, like taking what he learned as a kid and then evolving it and continuing to contribute to that curriculum and the pedagogy, and then to bring that back across the board, everybody who comes to Zoomix really sort of labels Corey as like the soul of the organization. Um, and I'm like the mama and he's the soul. And we work in tandem in a way that's really important. And I think that it's it's really been an honor and, and such a joy to see Corey evolve. You know, he's recognized across the state as being one of the best youth youth leaders in the state. I constantly feel like the Mass Cultural Council is trying to steal him away from me and they joke about it, you know, um, because they want him to be on every Zoom meeting and e in every conversation, helping helping set the tone and being the soul of those meetings because he talks from his heart. He's very honest. Um, he listens well. Best hugs in the world come from this man. He's really been a gift um, both to Zoomix and to the community of East Boston and beyond. Um, and there's so many young people who have, they're on their own journey, but they're doing what he did. They have become self-actualized at the invitation of Corey. And they've done that through their art. And that doesn't mean they've all become artists. Some of them have, some of them are incredible artists and some of them just dabble but they still, they find meaning and they find their place in the world and they find a belief in themselves that really carries with them forever. You know, when the pandemic first hit and we were trying to figure out how Zoomix gonna, how are we gonna respond, man? We just had to all do the complete opposite, the antithesis of what we would normally do, which is to come together and to like get in a circle and talk things through and support each other. It's like, no, you all have to scram, go to your own houses, and I'll see you on Zoom. And people are like, what's Zoom? Okay, yeah, we'll get on Zoom, we'll see you. And Corey was the first one to take the plunge the day after we closed, the next morning at eight o'clock, he had the first rehearsal. And the first rehearsal was with a group called the Shout Syndicate Group called Ocean. And, uh, and that band had a rehearsal the following morning at 8 a.m. They showed up, they worked it through. They're like, this is weird. Yeah, it is weird, but this is what we got right now. And we're still a band no matter what. So like, what are we gonna do in this weird platform? And it just began this experimental sort of journey of how do we communicate with each other across, uh, you know, sort of video video chat rooms, and also how do we continue to create and make music when there, no matter what, there's always a little delay, and so it doesn't 
it doesn't ever feel like you're together in the room when you're set, even if you have headphones on and you're playing along, whatever. So there's all sorts of processes that we've had to figure out. Um, and Corey was the first one to take the leap and just be like, my shout kids are awesome. They're showing up. We're going to work through it. Like they're, and they, they were the leaders right there. And they still, even to this day, they're still meeting and figuring out what they're going to do next. So everybody's in the same boat. And we just had our, um, our spring semester graduations and they were virtual graduations. And I literally was so nervous a couple of days beforehand, like, what are we doing? Like, we're going to have to do these virtual graduations. It, like, it's probably going to be all of us staring at our faces and like nobody else will show up. And then one by one by one, they entered the room and they entered the room with like whole family sitting on the couch together there to like celebrate with us. And they didn't want to leave. They didn't want to leave at the end. And it was just like, you know, it's really sad to be separated, but it's really powerful mm -hmm. to see how resilient everyone is and how yeah. optimistic and inspirational our teachers are. So, and one of the things that's interesting about all of this is the idea of like a space, right? Like Zoomex or the place that I want to try to, the spaces I want to create in Fogo on the island. When I got to a place where I know who I was, I can then step into a room knowing who I am. You know what I'm saying? I can go into those cultural council meetings knowing that I don't look like anybody in that room and, and probably can't relate right off the top of anybody in that room, but I deserve to be in there. And I, I need to be there because my voice needs to be heard. Or I need to go to Cape Verde and see what this island looks like. Right. I never would have had the guts to do those things if I didn't like believe in myself. And then to also then have like hundreds and hundreds of students at Zoomix who I know are marketing into that place with me, right? Who I'm who I'm bringing with me to those places. Corey, can you talk about that video project you did in Cape Verde? Because that was like a real special surprise when you came back. Oh yeah, I um, I wanted to occupy my time while I was there. So, um, I during the beginning I worked with uh, Isotope. They made this really cool portable studio called Aspire. Wouldn't the Spire be so cool in Cape Verde? Because it, like, you don't need power, you don't need like all this fancy stuff and you can just record. So Isotope put Zoomix up with a couple. Zoomix gave Fugu Project a couple. So I took one. And I, when I went there, I wanted to show these artists that this technology exists and that you don't need a fancy studio to like record. So I'm like outside in the street, kids are playing soccer, recording with like the second, the two best, most popular hip hop artists on the island. So we, we worked out some, some verses, we put together a song and then I went to my friend's house with one of the rappers, his house slash auto body shop slash market slash studio slash daycare and we sat there <laughs> recording the song with the chickens and dogs barking and the cars and stuff all in the background and recorded the, and then we went down the street and bought a speaker and set a speaker up and played the song for like 15 minutes and just watched the kids come i gave this one kid five bucks to go to the store and five bucks goes a long way there this kid yeah. came back with three arms full of candy, threw it on the floor, and then all the kids came in the park. We started playing the music and recorded the music video and I had them all dancing and eating candy. And it was just really cool. And a real a popular producer, John Glass, uh, donated the beat and like sent it to me. And he's like an awesome producer. So I was just super thrilled to like have that opportunity to make a song on the John Glass beat, work with these artists I didn't know, and like get these kids knowing that like hip hop is, is on the island while I was there. And so I put it up on the page. I gave it to an artist so he could put it on his page. And it was just really cool. And um, the, the song, I sent John an audio recording of me saying the word dance and Cape Verde. And John made the whole beat from my audio clip of my voice saying Baja, and the song was called Baja, which just means dance. 
Where can you find that? Is that on YouTube? Uh, yeah, on YouTube. If you put my artist name, S-A-N-T-1, with the B-A-N-J-A, Bajaj, how they spell it. You know, can you talk, I wonder if you could talk about the kids. And like, why is it that, why do you think, I mean, certainly by example, certainly by knowing who you are and being who you are, meaning kids, whether they be on the island or whether they be in East Boston, what is it about music for you that kind of just reaches those kids? And, you, you know, you're not about making them think they can become rock stars or hip hop moguls or whatever, but it's about finding out who you are. Maybe through I love this question. You know why? Because I can get really nostalgic with it and be like, Chuck, remember when you were in high school and you were like finding yourself? Your identity was so important to you, right? The way you dressed, the way you talked, the kids you hung out with, the love that you had for other people and things. It was just so deep, right? That, that one record and then you found someone else who liked that record and it's like made an impact and that person became your best friend for like your whole life because okay. you went to a, you know, a concert with them. I think that's why teenagers like... They're finding themselves and looking for themselves through music, through style and culture and what they really want and what to lose. I teach a, a poetry class every year. It's like my 10th year doing it at East Boston High. And I love it because it's so challenging because I work with a freshman class. And the reason why I specifically choose to work with a freshman class is because they're eighth graders going into new territory. They have a new identity. They need to like find their new friends, find out who they're going to be cool with. And so I want to come in and give them an opportunity throughout this whole structure to talk about who you are while you're trying to find yourself in this new space, in this new environment we call high school. So I see it. I see the impact. And I, I, I acknowledge it as, a, as a, a real cool time in a young person's life where they're making some real big decisions. Some people will even argue to say that you're, you find out what you want to be in life when you're in high school and then you spend your adult life trying to get really good at that thing, right? And, and there are a lot of people who, who give up on that high school dream. Some people hold on to it. So they're like, you know, poke high, you know, Al Bundy, like full touchdowns in one game for the rest of their life. They always bring it up yeah. or they um, go out and they continue to grow and be that thing. Um, and I love the, the fact that at Zoomix, we can capture that thing. And particularly in the world of art, in the last couple of years, we started to take art very serious. And like, it's a professional track. You can get paid to like be a Zoom monitor or to be an editor or to do audio and stuff. So the last couple of years, we're like, let's have these young people see a future doing what they love because they love it so much when they're in high school and when they leave it's like i gotta go to this real world and be this real thing it's like you can be that real thing now you know matter of fact zoomix taught me at 14 15 how to be a facilitator because they gave me the opportunity to do that and once i got paid to do that i was like oh snap okay <laughs> i can get paid to do what i love let's see how great i can be at that at this and let's see how much i can get paid and i just like the last two or three years found my value and found my worth getting paid is, is so important for artists but i also have to say that you know it's something that i've kind of tried to put into my own kids especially now that they've been quarantined at home go, go do something i don't care what it is go do something sit down and grab a pen and start drawing, make some music, write some poetry. Art in and of itself, helping you discover who you are as a person, how to uh, express yourself, um, especially in times like these. It's such an amazing facilitator for kids and adults for that matter, 
to express themselves in a way that can be productive, not only for people who see it, but for themselves. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, one of the things, Corey, when you just described that, it just got me so happy because it's so genuine how excited you are yeah. to, to, and how tuned in you are to the magical power of how music, it's a sense maker when you're 14. You know, music is a thing that allows you to, to process lots and lots of complex emotional information and channel it and realize you're not alone because there's songs that mean something to you and also mean something to somebody else and they're addressing that issue that you've been struggling with. And one of the things that I really love is that we're working with young people as they go through all of the firsts, you know, the first time they get any kind of independence, the first time they fall in love, the first time they fall out of love, the first job that they have, their first you know, application, you know, to go to a school, everything is really raw. You know, I've always brought back to uh, one of the girls who's uh, now on staff, one of our alumni, Carolina, when she came to Zumix, she had just gotten off a plane from Venezuela. She didn't speak English. She didn't have any friends. And somebody from her family, I think it might've been Erin, plugged her in to our organization. And she started taking programs and she literally like learned English by learning songs and learning to play those songs on guitar. And then at her very first performance, she picked up the guitar and she was probably 13 years old. And she said, hi, everybody in English. My name's Carolina. I wrote a song. It's a love song. I've never been in love before, but this is what I think it would feel like. I hope you like it. And it was just so pure and so raw and so tender in terms of what she was going through. And then in her somewhat broken English and her, you know, choppy guitar, just the courage it took for her to stand up there and do that. Like I will hold on and cherish that memory forever. And now she's like an active member of our board. I mean, of our staff and she's, she's helping to lead the mutual support efforts that we're doing with our families right now. She's been getting, she's in school at Leslie getting her master's in expressive arts therapy. She's just like, a brilliant, thoughtful, self-aware, empowered young woman. And she's still giving back to Zoomix in the way that Corey's doing, in the way that Omar and Kadaj are doing. Uh, we've got a number of people who go through programs and come back and, and plug back in again. And I'm, you know, I literally had a conversation with Kadaj the other day saying, Kadaj, you're at the helm now running our programs. The baton has been passed. Go for it. Continue to evolve the programs and the ideas and like bring everything that you've learned out in the world to make them even better than when you were here. It's just been really beautiful to see those things happen. As everybody knows, the last couple of weeks have been really rough. As individuals, we're all grappling with very, really heavy, sad issues that are really present and that are impacting people that we love. Like from last week to this week, there has just been this amazing turnaround where I think all of our staff have really taken the time to reflect inwardly about our own sort of personal space and reflection on all of that. And now we've gotten to the point where we're really thinking collectively about institutionally and what resources do we have and how do we want to show up? And particularly, how do we want to show up on behalf of and alongside our youth to address all of the issues that are going on right now? And I'm feeling very hopeful and optimistic and very uh, blessed to work with such thoughtful people. It's certainly been a tough two weeks. And, you know, we all know what's, what's happening in the last you know, a couple of weeks with the murder of George Floyd and, and the protests. Above all that, you know, what one thing that I've heard and kind of sensed to myself is that these protests seem to be different from 
a lot of the other more, at least the more recent protests in the last maybe 20 years or something. It's, it just seems now that there's more of a movement for change rather than just like a couple, you know, a weekend of protests and then people move on. It seems to the kind of growing and growing to the point where Black Lives Matter is painted on Pennsylvania Avenue and you can see it from the face. Everybody is kind of getting on board with, uh, with this idea of change. And, and do you feel like I, that, that is a correct assessment and that this is something maybe a little different than what we've seen before? Um, what makes it different is that everything's ultra sensitive right now, right? We're doing, we're dealing with a pandemic and you have to go back to like, where do you stand through this? Like some people are like in the home with their elders, but want to be out protesting. They have to make a decision, right? And it's like, where am I, where, where, what am I doing and where am I going and how do I feel about this and that thing? And I think what's interesting now is that there's, there's more people on the same level who have to make a decision. And for somebody of color like myself, I've dabbled in this world throughout my whole hip hop life, like with NWA and F the police, with uh, learning about the civil rights movement and being able to teach my kids about the civil rights movement as a person who like talks about literature and how words are powerful and talking to kids about how all those people got assassinated for their words. A part of me after processing feels like we're picking up exactly where we left off right? And at the same time, people who weren't with us are catching up. So how do I then stop and pause and be a person who can help my brothers and sisters catch up so that we can start moving towards like action, right? Like I listen, and again, go back to hip hop. I've been listening to music. Music hits so much harder nowadays. Listen to James Brown, I'm Black and I'm Proud, and tell me you feel the same way you did when you first heard it, you know, or Erica Badu or, or somebody. And it's been really interesting to come back to the music as like the, the foundation of where I realize that I have been dealing with this and we're dealing with it as a culture even more widely in, in our face now because we've been put in a position during a pandemic where we have to kind of like make decisions and people want to get out and are tired of doing stuff. There are some people impacted by this more than you would ever believe. They haven't gotten a stimulus check. They have no food. They have no money. They have no job. They're going to protest. You know what I'm saying? There are people who live in gated communities who are like, I never thought a cop could do that. So you can step out of your gated community and realize that other people don't live in gated communities, right? I did an interview for the Peabody Essex Museum yesterday because I did an exhibit for the Jacob Lawrence exhibit where I went and rapped for the visual art that was being that was being there. My tone yesterday wouldn't have been the same tone if there was no pandemic or no thing happening. My tone was like, I am worth being in a museum. Like my value is even more heightened now because I feel like people can recognize it. Before they were just like, that's just Corey. He's a rapper and they rap about struggle. And it's like, nope, we're all going through that struggle now. And you can feel my words even more. And I've been going through it for a while. Welcome. Let me hold your hand because I wanted someone to hold my hand, you know? There's so much pain happening. There's also laughter and joy and love and, and music. And those things are the things that are going to keep us going in the long in the, for the long haul, you know, because you can't just fight because it gets tiring. So you got to do it, all of it. And the, I think the musical component um, is beautiful and sneaky because you can fight through your music with what your words are powerful, but you also can dance and you can smile and you can laugh and you can share. So, you know, Corey's saying he's recognizing his own value and I'm saying I'm also recognizing the value that Zoomix has and the place that it has 
not just in East Boston, but like beyond East Boston, to give people the opportunity to plug into something that's bigger than themselves and that's that has really high expectations of what we can all do together. One of the unspoken things about the whole thing too is that like, of course there's action, but there's a realm of self-care and of prayer and faith that's wicked important, right? So like somebody's asking themselves right now, if I speak up, will I lose my job? Someone's asking themselves right now, like if I speak up, will I lose my home? Will I lose my best friend, right? So there's some like realm of faith that has to be had with the conversation of action and, and, and trust and like, and, and believing, right? That has to be had. I wasn't super big before uh, on praying, but I find myself praying before every meeting for the spring to get to the meeting, you know, like, cause it's just something that like you have to have, but uh, there definitely has to be some type of acknowledgement that you don't have to have an action or the, or the answer or know what to say. You just have to have faith and like have to know that you're doing what's right. So I think you're both doing fantastic work. And Corey, thank you for joining us. Madeline, thanks for your uh, for chiming in as well. It was lovely to be here, Corey. Always lovely to hear you speak. And Chuck, it's great to be here. So thanks for the invitation. Yeah, Chuck, thank you for the opportunity. I mean, I'm not sure how many other hip hop teaching artists from Roxbury Building Schools in Cape Verde you had on here. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the invite. I appreciate mixing things up. And thank you for thinking of me. I think of people all the time and it's really good to know that people think of me also. It makes me feel important, especially during a time when we're so isolated and socially distanced. So this means a lot to me. Fresh air living, no F's given Feeling so blessed, part of my religion Spirit gets captured in the heart of the children Sipping tequila, shopping at the dealer Exchange the currency, no stress currently Phone gets a new chip, new chick on the hip Feels so good when you're living in the hood Ain't no better place to get a chance like this Ain't no better place to dance like this No shots spraying sirens and police A thousand miles away, we work, we don't sleep We came a far away to make things exist We came a far away from trade and slave ships God bless every boy and girl The most beautiful people in the world Sip that grogu and watch time pass Thinking to myself, how long can this last? And love what you get deep in my heart We can end it right here, we're at the best part Right here, we're at the best part.
Halite mini niñas bonita Kita chasabi Gentes grandi bukata kribdita Kita chasabi Bandiros di bek, bandiros di ski Kita chasabi Tudo nos kiti amor pa nos terra Kita chasabi Yeah, halite mini niñas bonita Kita chasabi Gentes grandi bukata kribdita Kita chasabi Bandidos de bec, bandidas de esquina Quita te sabe Tudo nós que te amor pra nós ter Quita te sabe Sabe bem li Vem pai comi Mubo bari Vem baja comi Venhamos com xe Come party with me We'd like to thank Corey and Madeline for all they do for the city of Boston. If you would like to hear Corey's music and learn about his Fogo project, you can go to our website, AboveTheBasement.com. For more information about Zumix, go to Zumix.org. And as always, you can go to AboveTheBasement.com to sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique.